0: Now here's what I want you to do around your tables just for a couple of minutes. Um, um, we fed an Italian kid uh French toast at what was it must have been eight o'clock last night um, uh, and he was uh, he told me he doesn't really like bacon, but he ate it like there was no tomorrow so um, uh, so we do you like breakfast for dinner uh, we, we do but but what is your favorite breakfast food tell tell somebody around the table that it's funny uh, i'll i'll go to i'll go to breakfast with some little skinny person they'll order they'll order biscuits and gravy and i'm thinking only in oklahoma but um um tell tell your table mates what's your favorite breakfast food we'll get back together in just a second <laughs> okay i want to listen for anything that's unique is there somebody that uh, brains and eggs Uh, you really like that or you just okay you grew up on it Uh, mary not at my house but joe can you bring this up just a little bit that's it? So we got something going on. Okay. Um, yeah, that one would not be on my list, Mary. Um, anybody? So uh, college kids eat stuff like pizza or ramen noodles for breakfast. Uh, anybody got something unusual besides brains and eggs? Quesadillas. Now, that actually sounds pretty good, Hubert, but, of course, I like that kind of stuff. Um, um uh, Fish, we're, today we're going to talk about eating fish for breakfast. That's why, why I'm asking that question. I don't know that I've ever had fish for breakfast. I remember my dad was on a Lenox-sponsored cruise, and um, he ordered, because you could order whatever you want, he ordered lox and bagels. He had always heard about it, so he ordered it. Now, isn't lox a fish, I think? And I, I, I happened to be on the trip with him. And I said, "So how was that?" And he said, "Not very good." And I, and but he ate it all because that's what you did if you grew up in the in the twenties and thirties and during the depression. If you had food set before you, you ate it. So anyway.
1: Prophets.
0: Uh, so in Israel fish is normal for breakfast. So we're going to talk this is interesting to me what they had for breakfast in John 21. So that's what we're going to get into in just a minute here. I hope you can hear me. We got some kind of a sound thing going on. So I'll end up being Wayne Newton here, but I won't swing the I won't I won't swing the microphone. I'm not going to swing the microphone. Miss Cindy since you're here and Steve Evidently, is not today. By the way, let me add um, uh, add w- one thing to your prayer concerns. Uh, a couple of things: uh, Larry Harris has COVID, and so we want to pray for him. Uh, Judy had had it, and then he got it. Uh, we did get. Rhonda tells me I appreciate her monitoring the uh, kind of the chat in Facebook. Um, Helen got back with us. He is out of ICU. But still in the hospital, and uh, so, and then it looks like he's going to go to rehab, rehab, uh, pretty soon. Cindy, can I get you to go to? Um, um, uh, um, we'll do some background here in a minute. But if, if you'll go to John twenty-one and read the first six verses, and then I'll give some background on it.
2: Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish.
0: I, I really love this story. I, I'm not sure, Paul, that I love the thought that they had fish work of breakfast, but if that was a thing, that was a thing. Um, uh, Look, just back up with me for just a second. If you're turned there in your Bible, look at verse 30 from chapter 20. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, a lot of people believe um, that that's kind of the end of the story. Sounds like it, doesn't it? And, and so there's some question as, where did John 21 come from? It's like, like a postscript, like a, um, an epilogue here. Let's talk about that for just a minute. A lot are suggesting that it wasn't originally a part of John's gospel, but stick with me a little bit. Um, there's a difference in language and style and content a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a divergence from the story that John has told before chapter 21. Uh, some even believe that um, uh, that John 21 was added by some close friends of John uh, very shortly after the gospel was completed. The thinking on that one was that, some, um, that there was a lot of thought in part of 21 that John would not die and after his death they felt like they needed to add this um, uh, because it was causing some distress in the in the uh, faith community but interestingly all the early manuscripts have this story um, it's, it's not left out uh, that would be kind of contrary to, to that thought Um there's no reason to believe that John's gospel ever circulated without this chapter, this story in it, um, uh, even though there's kind of differences in language that can be explained by it's kind of different material that he's covering here. And this epilogue also kind of ties up some of the loose ends of the gospel, in particular, uh, Peter's redemption uh, after his denial of Jesus, and um, it's going to be kind of further witnessing of John's faithful witness of Jesus' life and his teaching, and um, it also kind of ties up the fact that in all in a lot of the gospels, Jesus is going to say, "I'll I'll see you again in Galilee," and they're in Galilee in in this one. So. Uh, I think it was originally there. I don't really have a whole lot of explanation for why it would be kind of different, but but um, I don't think you and I need to worry about that. I would. I am so glad this chapter is in our Bibles. I'm glad enough about it that we're going to spend two weeks in it, so we'll be here next week. All right. So um, you heard Cindy read. Um, he begins, uh, verse 1, Jesus appeared again. Uh, by the Sea of Galilee. The, the word appeared there in verse 1, um, uh, it occurs in other places as the word revealed or manifested. Uh, let's go to a couple of those. Who go to 2.11 and read 2.11? Somebody read 2.11? Rodney, read 2.11? Somebody go to 9.3 three. Thank you, Joanne. That'd be great. And 17.6. Same word is used. Mark, that's great. Same word is used in all of these. Uh, just, just a little different uh, in, the, in the way it's translated. Um, okay, so 2.11. Rhonda? This is the first of his sons, Jesus,
2: did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples in
0: him. Manifested in 2.11. Is translated in our verse one and twenty-one one as appeared in your probably in your Bible. Uh, in my Bible, it, it uses the word manifested. Let's let's look at another one. Nine three. Joanne, is that you? I thought
2: it was nine eleven. Nine three. Nine, three. Okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry. <clears throat> Neither
2: this man. Nor his parents sin," said Jesus, that this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life.
0: The word displayed there. Jesus is on display. See that? So we've got words like manifested, appeared, revealed, uh, displayed here. One more. 17.6.
1: I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you
0: gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Okay, so you see the idea here. Um, uh, there is a tie. When, when John uses this word manifested or uses the word appeared in, in, in uh, if you're reading the NIV in, in chapter 21, <laughs> it's the idea that um, that it's always tied to Jesus' glory. He appeared. He manifested himself. Uh, he, his glory was revealed. So, this is another place where that's, that's going to happen. Now, one of the things you've got to think about, and, and we'll get to this in just a second in particular, but one of the ways his glory is revealed is this is all happening after he was put to death, after the resurrection. This is not before then. This is after then. Uh, how glorious is that? So what goes in your blank is this would be another glorious appearance of his. Um, many of them uh, before his death, in this case, afterwards. Now, it, it calls, uh, it, in your Bible, it might call this uh, the Sea of Galilee. In my Bible, it calls it the Sea of Tiberius. Um uh, John only uses that word, and it's used here, and in 623, um, uh, this place, this location's on the western coast of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it was built by Herod Antipas to honor the emperor Tiberius in about 20 AD. So interestingly, this kind of city was established and built and made kind of a big deal Uh, during the reign of the emperor Tiberius, while Jesus was walking the earth, which I I find that kind of interesting. And so John calls it, um, it tells us where it is by the Sea of Galilee, probably on the the west side there, in in this case at least. Now, uh, now, in verse 2, we get a bit of a roll call. Who went on this trip? This fishing trip, okay? So um, uh, it it begins with um, uh, kind of the thought here that um, he manifested himself in this way, and it it kind of gives us kind of a roll call of who's there, and there's a couple that are kind of missing. So uh, in this roll call, we get Simon Peter. There's seven that are mentioned. Simon Peter the sons of Zebedee, James and John, we get Thomas, okay? Now, interestingly, only John gives us any detail about Thomas, and he gives it especially in chapter 20, but here, he calls him Didymus, he calls him the twin. Um, uh, we get more detail from John about Thomas than, than any other place. The rest of them mention him, but they don't say anything about him. Um, and then in my Bible, it calls Uh, Nathaniel of Canaan, I'm sorry, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, Um, in your other gospels when they're doing lists of the the disciples, they're going to call, they're not going to use Nathaniel, they're going to use Bartholomew. That may be the same guy. Um, There's some question about that, but that may be the same guy. Um, But only John calls him, if that is the same guy, calls him Nathaniel. Uh, and by the way, you remember, uh, there are two stories that, that take place in Cana, so uh, that's kind of part of John's coverage. And then two others, all right, two others, probably Andrew, because Peter's there and Andrew tends to show up where Peter shows up, his brother probably Andrew, and um, there's another close association to Andrew in Philip, so probably the other two, okay, so let me read the list again, be uh, Simon, Peter, James, and John, Thomas, um, uh, Nathaniel, uh, and maybe, um, maybe Andrew and Philip, doesn't mention who the other two are, so who's missing? There's five of them missing, five of them missing. Uh, Matthew, uh, if if you've watched the chosen, it's not hard for me to believe that Matthew would say, uh, "I don't do fishing." Uh, he, he he was a white collar guy. I don't do fishing. the rest of them were fishermen. I, I don't know about that, but it makes me wonder if Matthew probably wasn't there. Simon the Zealot wasn't there. I don't know why he's not included in that group. Um, uh, uh, little James, James the Less, is not in that group. Big James is, and um, and Judas. Judas is gone by by now, so that kind of rounds out the twelve. Sorry. Judas is already dead, right? Yeah, he's he's already off the scene, and and now it's the eleven so far until we get up into Acts instead of the twelve. So that kind of tells you who was there. Now, now when Peter says, "I'm going fishing," in verse three. That's probably not an abandonment of Peter's mission. Now, I want us to look at some verses, again, out of the Gospel of John that will help us a little bit. Who will get 20, verse 6 and 7? Somebody read verse 6 and 7 out of chapter 20? Okay, Laura, that'd be great. Uh, uh, Laura, I'm going to have you—actually, let me just have you read all three of those. 6 and 7, I'll have you jump down to verse 19 and 20, and down to verse 26 and 27, okay? Now, now, why do we think, uh, you know, it's interesting, because if you're reading uh, some people, it may lead you to think, well, Peter has defected, and now he's going back to being a fisherman. There's some, some things, some pushbacks about that. Um, um, now, So Laura, read some of these other stories. Peter was there for a lot of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Um, uh, First of all, the disciples' presence in Galilee itself demonstrates obedience to Jesus. He told them to go there. They're back there. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. It seems incongruous that Peter would be opting out of discipleship after having seen Jesus. So read verse six and seven, Laura, from John 20.
1: Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had been that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings.
0: So Peter was the first of the twelve. To witness the empty tomb, okay? Not only that, but later on, um, uh, that that same day, uh, Jesus appears to them in a locked room, and we believe Peter was there. So, uh, Laura, read 19 and 20.
1: That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke... He showed them the wounds in his hands and his sight. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord.
0: Okay, so he would have been in on that. Jump down and read verse 26 and 27, Laura, from John 20. Eight days
1: later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. "'Peace be with you,' he said. Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here and look at my hands.' Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe.
0: So, another appearance later, and we believe Peter was there. So, uh, now, so those who accuse Peter of kind of letting go of his, his apostleship um, must assert the same for the others who are on this fishing trip, and we just don't think that's kind of what's going on here. Um Uh, Peter had seen Jesus on numerous occasions before this, at least a couple of occasions. He was a witness at the empty tomb. Um, uh, Okay, and then multiple times, Jesus has said, I am going to the Father, but he didn't give a whole lot of detail about what that meant. Um, and what their post-resurrection role would be, but he had told them that he would meet them in Galilee. Um, So, whether um, because Jesus knew that they would naturally go home and go back to fishing for a bit, or as a permission to go back home to see family before he joined them there, and then finally, Jesus hadn't really told them exactly when he would appear again, And uh, so, if Peter went to Galilee looking for Jesus, he's probably not going to sit around the house twiddling his thumbs. He's probably going to do something, and he might as well make some money while he's at it. So, um, there are a lot of reasons um, that they would have been fishing. I don't think we can stand real heavily on the idea that Peter kind of uh, gave up his mission here. That's what goes in your blank. Now, interesting... Jesus is on the beach. They're in the boat fishing, and he calls out to them. And as before, they miss kind of uh, recognizing him. We've seen this before, haven't we? Uh, In last week's story, he's walking along with the the two uh, on the road to Emmaus and Uh, They didn't recognize him until he broke the bread. You remember that story? prayed and broke the bread. Um, um, Mary uh, didn't recognize him. Uh, Look at, um, go back to 20, cross the page. I'm going to go to verse 15. um, uh, Actually, I'm going to go to... um, uh, Mary is weeping when she had said this, verse 14 of, in chapter 20. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking, <coughs> supposing him to be the gardener? She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said, in Hebrew, Rabbi, uh, So Mary was right there with him in the garden. Didn't recognize him. So it's kind of, this is kind of a thing that's going on. So let's talk about this. How would they not know? A couple of things. Has his appearance changed a little bit? We looked at that last week. Maybe there was something just a little different. I think, but secondly, I think we've got to understand that he was not really expected either. Remember, we have what I've called in the past hindsight bias. We know what's getting ready to happen because we've read the story before or we've heard some preacher talk about it, okay? Um, it, they're not out on the boat thinking, well, in a little bit, Jesus is going to join us on the beach. They, they don't know when he's going to show up. And, and so maybe that's part of it. I, I think a more practical explanation here is if you look at... Um, If you look at the first part of verse 4 that Cindy read a little bit ago, but when the day was now breaking, I was watching out the windows this morning. The sunrise was really beautiful. But, you know, if you were standing out in my backyard, I might go get the gun. You know, because uh, I may not recognize Mark Fueling, back there in my backyard. I don't expect him, and it's really still kind of dark out there. The sun's just coming up, and uh, so, Mark, watch out, because, you know.
2: Unless
0: you heard my voice. Unless I heard your voice, exactly. Uh, by the way, you have a distinctive voice. I said, that's got to oh, be Mark. Shoot. I recognize his voice. And he speaks to them here. Mm-hmm. So, remember, it's, it's pre-dawn, early. They're a distance away, okay, a couple hundred yards away at least, according to what what is said here. So... Um, anyway, that that explains some of it for me. Now, what does he say to him in verse five? ain't Fish. How does it? What name does it call them? Children. 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 children you know, um, I can hear your dad saying, Chillern. "Children, children." Counting <laughs> Fish. Um, and Mark, I do think they recognize that. The, First of all, they recognize the greeting. Now, the word that is, that is translated children here is a, an affectionate term, a term of affection. Will somebody go to 1 John 2.18? John's going to use this term again, and it'll be translated a little bit different way. Uh, somebody go to 1 John 2.18 and read that one in just a second not having a whole lot of volunteers today. Oh, Sally, that's great. Okay, so um, this, and it's appropriate, Sally, that you would, that you would read this, because uh, when he says to them, children, and in another translation, he's going to say, friends, um, uh, it's a term of endearment, from a teacher to a pupil. Sally, isn't that appropriate that you would read that? Listen to how John says it uses the same word when he's writing to some of his children in faith. 1 John 2.18.
1: Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour.
0: Dear children, that's the same expression here. And so when he calls out to them, uh, this is a term of endearment. It's, it's friends, it's um, a, a, a deep affection here. Children, friends, uh, a, a rabbi would, would call out, they have heard him call them this before. Now, verse 6, what is going on there may, have, may spark a memory. Uh, go back sometime today and read the first 11 verses of Luke 5. Uh, in that story, Peter is just has just barely met Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, hey, can, would you row me out? It's, it's an, another morning. They're cleaning up their nets. They've caught nothing. They've been fishing all night. Uh, there's so many similarities to it. And uh, Jesus says to Peter, would you row me out? I need to do some talking to people. And then Peter does it. And he really becomes kind of a firm believer in, in part of that story in Luke five, so it, this has happened before by the way that 's the one where you know um, after Jesus finishes speaking to the crowd, he says to Peter, won't you put your net on the other side of the boat and and Jesus and peter says, uh, i've fished all night, just do it okay and he does it, and a similar thing happens. so this could have sparked that memory, especially to Simon Peter. Um, That was a scene in Luke 5 that probably, as far as I'm concerned, changed Simon's life forever. Forever. Rhonda, I'm going to prevail on you. Would you go to verse 7 and read down through 14 from John 21?
2: That disciple who... Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw the charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread, gave it to them, and with the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead.
0: Now, this is the third one that John is going to record, but don't let that hang you up here. He's made several appearances that that are not recorded. Now, so notice here the recognition. Um, that begins here in verse 7. I, I kind of like the way uh, this this takes place here. Uh, John says to Peter, whispers to him, probably, Hey, I think that's the Lord. Uh, he, don't you love it? Buddy, that's the Lord. And what does Peter do? He hops in, swims to shore. I mean, I, don't you love that? Um, in fact, he has to go back to drag the fish in. But but um, I, I just love that. Now, it's interesting. The word Lord that's used here, I'll put a couple of references. Uh, listen to 1221. In 1221, um, uh, some came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, that's the idea. Um That word was a word that began to be used in Greek. Uh, This word Lord here, or Sir, began to be used um, uh, in Greek in the Septuagint, which was uh, the Greek version of the Old Testament that was kind of put together between our two Testaments. Um, uh, They wanted to kind of make sure that the the Greek-speaking world would have access to the Bible, which was then just the Old Testament. And the word, so it, for in the Old Testament, for the word Yahweh, they would replace it in Greek with this word. And it's used here. It is the Lord, that word. Uh, the, a, a great recognition here. Now, here's, I want you to do a little uh, experiment for me, okay? You know that smells are really heavily tied to your memories. You know that? I, I can smell something. It's like it takes me right back to something. Uh, uh, you know, songs do it for me a lot, but smells do it a lot too. I want you to just kind of in your mind smell charcoal. Where can you
1: go by the
0: charcoal? A charcoal fire. We don't do that as much anymore. It's too much work, right? I got a natural gas thing, and, you know, I... Most of the time. Okay. Everybody, so, but I love that smell. You, can you smell it in your mind? I think here, when Peter got to the beach, I think it prompted a memory for him, too. Go with me to 18.8. It may be that the last time he smelled the charcoal fire was... I'm um, sorry, 1818. Now, the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves. <laughs> and Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Uh, do you think when Peter smelled the charcoal? Yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i wonder if that's part of jesus redemption of peter you know what last time you stood at a charcoal fire it didn't go well you got a chance to change all that I, okay so, so don't brand me a heretic yet okay um now where did jesus get the fish He's cooking a fish. I, I don't think he has any trouble finding fish. Do you, Dan? No <laughs> yes, sir. In fact, in the story, he's going to find help them find 153 of them. I, he's not had trouble producing fish and bread before, has he? They're They're
2: going to count whatever
0: they got. It's interesting. They are going to count, but I, there's, an, there's an apologetic reason for this too. When, if if it was just recorded in here and they gathered a bunch of fish, it's not as clear as it is if I say. Uh, by the way, if you, if you're uh, uh, Laura's going to court to if if the memory includes the guy was wearing a red shirt, uh, he was wearing a red shirt with a polo on it that guy over there, okay? Uh, that's a different detail. Well, they caught a bunch of fish. They caught 153 fish. That's, that's a whole different thing, even in court. It's a specific detail. So um, uh, some believe that verse 10 and 11, and I put some other references for you to check here. Um, um, in, in Matthew 4, Jesus says to Peter, and to the other fishermen, leave your nets and follow me. But in this one, he says, cast on the other side. And um, it may be that, um, if you realize, Simon, Simon gets back in the boat. And um, uh, it may be here that this, in verse 10 and 11, is an invitation, okay, um i want to read that again, okay? Saw charcoal fire or laid fish placed on it and bread, and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land. He goes back, draws the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. It could be that Jesus was saying here, finish what you started. Go back and finish this little fishing trip. And in verse 12, the meal invites recognition. In John 6, Jesus has called himself the bread of life. In fact, by the way, if, as you read John 6, it's there's so much detail of experiencing him, taking him in, uh, eating my flesh, drinking my blood, you know, and that kind of thing, that it became um, a, a part of kind of a, an early criticism that Christians were cannibalistic. He was the bread, and now here he's eating with them again, uh, like he did in the upper room, like he did with the two at the end of the trip back to Emmaus. Remember that? He had meals with them. I think one of the wonderful bodily parts of the resurrection that uh, he's with them in the upper room, and he says, you got anything to eat? <laughs> and he eats with them. Uh, it's just that beautiful thing. The meal invites recognition here. And I'll just ask you um, a, a question again that we kind of dealt with a little bit. When you share a meal, you're sharing life. Jesus said in Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anybody will invite me in i will come into him and in, in the old king james it says and sup with him have supper with him and he with me uh, it's interesting here when you share a meal you're sharing life so it might be something to try somebody you want to get to know better somebody you want to influence for the for the cause of jesus for the sake of jesus invite him to dinner uh, if not at your house, some other place. Take Masonic. Sonic. I mean, you know, whatever. When you share a meal, you are sharing life, and he is sharing life here. Okay, so one more verse. 21.1 says, After these things Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. This way. And here, the last verse in our Uh, Story In verse 14, it says, this is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. What's the point? Again, John records at least three different instances of Jesus. To Mary, to the 12, but not all were there. Now, not all of them are there. The point is, don't miss it. After he was raised from the dead. That ought to have some impact on you and your faith. After, John records three experiences. The other gospel writers record others that are independent of this. We know that he walked the planet, according to uh, Dr. Luke, that he walked the planet 40 days after. Uh, after the resurrection. So let me challenge you with this. This is what we'll close with. This was Sunday. You know, the eighth day after Easter. Um, How about making a daily appointment with him? Uh, See, what I really believe is, despite the story that was before us that we studied, Jesus is not waiting on Sunday to spend quality time with you.
1: <laughs>
0: he really is. Several of the stories here are on Sunday. Uh, Luke twenty-four, the Emmaus Road experience, um, the Upper Room, a couple of times. But he's not waiting on Sunday to hang out with you. Challenge you to do this. Maybe just for one week. Try it for one week. Okay. You might like it. Meet with him a little bit every day this week. On Monday. And on Tuesday. And on Friday. And on Saturday. Uh, every day this week. Just take seven days. He. What I want you to know is that Jesus is not waking, waiting on Sunday to get with you. And he would probably like it if you wouldn't wait on Sunday to get with him. Now, he wants you to be here on Sunday. He wants you to be involved with the people of God on Sunday. Take his word and read a little bit of it every day. If only a paragraph. Okay? Uh, Go back to the book of Psalms. Read one of the Gospels if you've never read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? We've been studying it. John, maybe that would be a good place to start. I challenged some kids to do this this week. Would you start reading the Gospel of John? Let's talk about it next week. Uh, So maybe it would be good just... For five minutes, read this and say to him, okay, Lord, the guy that taught us on Sunday says you're here with me. What do you want me to know from this, what I read today? And then talk to him about it. Every day this week, he's not waiting on Sunday to reveal himself to you. I will promise you that. He would like to talk to you every day. And he's put this in place to speak to you. And his Holy Spirit is present to hear your prayers too. Have a great week. We're going to finish John 21 next week. Bless you. Thanks for being here.